Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. HITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at hightrustalliance.net. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. Modern application development needs modern application security. With our award-winning application security testing solutions, Checkmarks enables developers to securely accelerate their work. Learn more at checkmarks.com. AppViewX is trusted by the world's leading global organizations to reduce risk, ensure compliance, and increase visibility through machine identity management and application infrastructure security and orchestration. Learn more at appviewx.com. There oh. we go. There you go. It, it gave me an error. It's the beauty of technology, Marco. The beauty and the nightmares of it. <laughs> so listen, I, I, I know, uh, so we are recording now, and I, I have this great idea, Marco. What is that? There's this new uh, business model. It involves technology, actually. Oh, yeah? Okay. It's very, very, very lucrative, so I, so I hear. You just, you just read on... You don't even have to get to the dark web to uh, to hear that the, the the people in this space make tons of money. Well, I, got, I just want to know one thing: is it legal or not? It's legal until you get caught. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like crime. It might be crime, and, uh, and cyber. Cyber crime. It's connected to technology, so it is definitely cyber crime. And of mm. course, uh, I have plenty to do here creating and producing and, and sharing stories with everybody in the form of podcast. So I'm not going to go down that path, but there are plenty that have. <laughs> oh yeah. I heard, I heard is a good business. If you, <laughs> if you want to take that, that kind of risk, because maybe yeah, I'm going to stick with podcast. The yeah. risk of getting caught might not. Let's might not talk about prepared. it. Let's, let's do that. And uh, this is part of our RSA conference coverage. And uh, I'm excited to have this conversation. There, there was a session that uh, piqued our interest. And we have uh, speakers on talking about cybercrime and the, the ecosystem, 
So it's not just the the people doing the crime, but the, there's a lot of supporting elements, I believe, and uh, of course the combating elements too. And hopefully we'll get into all of that today with Michael Daniel and Tal Goldstein. Thanks, gentlemen, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. We're very happy to be here. Great. So here we are, Marco. Here we are. We have we have uh, we have the people that know, and we're going to get into it. But uh, I want to know who they are first. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the mic to Michael. Um, Michael, a few words about your role, what you're up to, uh, maybe a, a quick word on why this topic for you, and then we'll pass it over to Tal. Sure. So as uh, Sean said, I'm Michael Daniel, and I'm currently president and CEO of the Cyber Threat Alliance, which is a consortium of cybersecurity providers that work uh, together to share threat intelligence in both an automated and an analytic fashion. Um, I've been in cybersecurity now for quite a while, and uh, prior to my time coming to the Cyber Threat Alliance, I was the special assistant to President Obama for cybersecurity, and so I was basically President Obama's cybersecurity advisor in the in the U.S. government. Um, and really, um, you know, cybercrime is become a a huge issue. It's not just a niche sort of side issue to regular crime that most law enforcement deal with. It's become much bigger than that. And in fact, it's now posing a national security and a public health and safety threat along with the economic threat. And so we'll really go into more of that as we get into sort of why we're focusing on this effort that we're calling the Cybercrime Atlas. A lot of good uh, good stuff there. Uh, Tal, same for you. Yeah, so Tal Goldstein, I'm currently the head of strategy for the uh, World Economic Forum Center for Cybersecurity, um, which is a part of, of the forum uh, leading cyber, work on cybersecurity. And for those who don't know, the forum is an international organization for public-private collaboration, working for more than 50 years to bring leaders from private sector, public sector, civil society, academia, young leaders, entrepreneur, all the different stakeholders in order to address some of the most pressing issues uh, of, of the hour. It's mostly known for its annual meeting in Davos, but actually working you know, throughout the year uh, in different initiatives to address those issues. And, and before joining the forum four years ago, I was part of the Israel Cyber, uh, National Cyber Directorate, um, dealing with a strategy on cybersecurity, trying to see how to address cyber on a national level. So when I joined the forum, I was really looking for opportunities to do the same globally, to see what problems could be addressed at the global level and doing that through public-private collaboration. And I, I, I think cybercrime definitely one of those areas that, that deserves this type of approach. And actually it's the only way that we can in the long run uh, address this issue and, and, and threat. Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about the World Economic Forum. So first thing that comes to mind, if, if you guys are talking about it there, <laughs> it must be relevant. Yeah. Um, you know, but joke apart, what, when we started with Sean, you know, we, we talked about the, the ecosystem, like mapping this. And one thing that we know in the industry, and maybe people that are not in the industry may think like, you know, just, uh, just uh, put the wall in the internet and block the bad guys outside. We all know that it cannot be done in that way. And 
and it has to be addressed at, at a global level. So let's start from, from the beginning and maybe uh, Tal, you, you can take the lead on this. Uh, how did we get to where we got and, and what is the actual present status of, of the problem? I, I think when, when you look at cybercrime, it, it's, there is nothing new. The, the method of change, the scale of change, but uh, like in any other type of crime, and there is opportunity, uh, you have criminals trying to take advantage of that. Um, and on, on the positive side, as, as the digital economy is growing, uh, and we have more and more opportunity as a society, uh, there is also a negative side in the opportunities and, and profit to criminals. Uh, and, and the whole cyber uh, ecosystem, cyber industry has been trying to address this for, for several decades. Um, and unfortunately, it's a cat and mouse game and, and criminal always find a way to go around security efforts. Uh, and, and unfortunately, as, as we look at the balance, we, we see cybercrime just growing. Um, which, which is one of the reasons that led the forum, the World Economic Forum, and, and global leaders to, to put that on the table as the topic that um, deserve more attention and more focus, uh, and mostly more, more collaboration. So what we need now, and, and this is uh, what we are trying to promote throughout uh, through the Cybercrime Atlas, is a much more collaborative approach to address cybercrime. I'm going to add on top of that is I think it's also important to note that if your image of the cyber criminal or the hacker is a, a lone guy, uh, you know, wearing a hoodie, still living in his mother's basement, like that's not the cyber criminals that we're talking about. Um, this is organized crime, right? It's highly organized. It's run like a business. It's treated like a business. The leaders have read their Adam Smith. They've attended their Harvard Business School online courses, and they run these things at a very diversified, um, in a very diversified way. And that's why we talk about an ecosystem, because it's really not just lone actors um, or even individual groups doing this on their own. There's an entire ecosystem behind this. Um, and so, that's really important for people to understand of why the scale has gotten so large. Hmm. Yeah. And it, it, to your point, Michael, I think, um, yeah, I mean, just think about any business and all the elements that a business has from, I don't know if they have HR teams, or not, but they, they certainly <laughs> they have part-time workers, full-time workers. Uh, I know they offer support for some of the tools they sell and all this kind of yep. thing. We can get into some of that, but I first want to maybe take a step back and look at, broader picture before we get into the actual ecosystem is just the understanding. So Tal mentioned and Marco made, made, made a point that we're talking about this at the World Economic Forum level, which is fantastic. Um, I know you, you described your work with uh, President Obama. I'm just wondering, do, do leaders that, I'm not specifically talking about President Obama here, but do, do leaders in government understand the, the magnitude and the scale of this and, and how this stuff works. So, you know, that's actually one of the biggest changes I would say that we've seen over the last, you know, decade or so is that um, if you'd asked me that question back in, say, 2012, I would have said, no, probably not. Um, but now here in 2022, there are a lot more leaders that really understand the problems and the threat that is occurring through cyberspace. 
Um, if you just look at the, uh, just take the U.S. government, for example, like, you know, you've actually had President Biden talk about ransomware um, and ransomware attacks multiple times, um, you know, personally raise it with President Putin, for example. You know, you've assembled, the U.S. government has assembled an impressive array of talent of people that really understand um, these issues in the government. And it's not just the U.S. government. You can see this in, uh, you know, uh, in other governments as well. Everything from, you know, European governments like the U.K. and uh, the Netherlands to Israel to Singapore. Um, so all around the world, I would say that governments are definitely getting much more in. Uh, invested in, they they understand the threat, and they are beginning to invest in ways to counter that threat. So from that standpoint, the level of government involvement is much higher. So you're talking about HR. Uh, Sean and I were making a, a joke at the beginning about how lucrative that is. And I know that you know, there is a marketing system out there for scaling operation and all of that. So Tao, is there some numbers to help our audience to understand when we talk about a business and an ecosystem, uh, what that scale, what those numbers really are and why everybody's involved and needs to be involved? So that's actually, a, it's an interesting question. And, and Michael must uh, remember that when, when we met three years ago, last time we met in person in, in DC, this question was one of the um, reasons that led us to this effort. Because mm. when you look at all the different publications and, and uh, uh, numbers out there, they are not really sufficient. We don't have a very clear picture of the cybercrime landscape. Uh, we don't even understand, for example, if you think about the sources of, of if you want to say, what is the 80% of cybercrime? Is it coming from 10 groups, 50 groups? 5,000 groups, um, we don't have the answers for those. And, and this is one of the reasons that, that we need a more uh, centralized approach of, of bringing together information, analyzing it, um, not only for operational reason, which is, of course, still in the focus, but also to support decision makers. And they decide on, on the resources and, and efforts that are being um, allocated to address this threat. So, Michael, maybe now's a good time to maybe start talking about some of the, the threat mapping you're doing and I don't know what all the map the ecosystem mapping I'm just wondering so Tal says is it one or five or ten or fifty or five thousand do we do we have a sense of that there are a few groups even if we can't put a, a final number on it and do we have a sense of how many individuals are involved even if they're not tied directly to a an organized group and I don't know, there's probably a gray area in between those two extremes, but what, what, what are you starting to see now? Well, that's, Tal's absolutely right. I mean, that's one of the big questions that we wanted to get at with this effort is to actually begin to unpack that question. Because actually, Sean, the, the part of the reason I became really interested in this, uh, in this project and what really spurred me was I actually had a CEO of a big company ask me, that very question, how many, Michael, how many cyber criminals do you think there really are? Are there millions? And I was like, millions? No. But then I started thinking about the answer and I realized I didn't really know the answer. As um, Tao was saying, is it, is it, you know, 500 people that's doing all of this, 5,000, 50,000? 
you know, we have a sense that one of the things that we know, there are a couple of things that we do know, though. One of them is that if you talk to most law enforcement personnel, right, anybody, any local law enforcement that patrols a beat, that walks a neighborhood, they will tell you that most of the crime in any given neighborhood is conducted by the same, you know, four or five people, right? It's a small group that actually can, that actually carries out most of the crime. Um, and the other thing is that we know that the internet allows you to scale and allows you to scale up and uh, really fast and very far. And so that leads you to think that the numbers may in fact be smaller than what they appear to be by the volume of cybercrime that's out there. And so one of the goals of this project is to begin to put some boundaries, some parameters on that, uh, on that question, and to start to get at that sense of, you know, how many individuals are we really talking about here? Because when you start to put it in those individual terms, then you can really start mapping out a strategy for how to actually disrupt those groups um, and impose costs on them that make this entire business less feasible and less lucrative for them. So maybe there is just one guy in the basement. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, see, that's the that's the thing is you do get a sense that there's there's a lot of different people involved, right? right? Because yeah, now they've they've diversified, and so mm -hmm. different people do different pieces of the process. So the you know there are people who do the coding, who write the malware, who write the software essentially, right? And they pass it off to other people in the ecosystem. There are some groups that specialize in just gaining access to companies and organizations, and that's all they do. And once they have gained that access, they sell that access to somebody else. And then somebody else in the ecosystem actually, you know, sets up the exploitation of it. And then they pass it on to somebody else even to do the actual you know, exploitation and, you know, do, for example, ransomware and collect the payments. And then there's the entire payment process system, which is complex in and of itself. So there's a lot of different moving pieces to the cyber criminal ecosystem. And again, that's one of the reasons why we want to do this mapping, this Atlas project, so that we start to get a sense of the scope and scale and extent of uh, this ecosystem. And it doesn't get more business than that. I mean, you're, you're bringing up again Adam Smith and the specialization of the roles in the in the working chain. So that's incredible. Uh, is uh, everybody participating in this? I mean, are we looking at an involvement from the majority of the development developed countries, or or is it still in the infancy of those that collaborate? One, I, I think, Marco, there is an interesting uh, element in this when you say countries, but it's actually not only about countries. Uh, you asked before about uh, government understanding, and I, I agree with, with Michael, especially in the last two years, we have more and more governments underst understanding the, the risk, understanding the need to invest. Uh, but it's also a question about the, the ability, the ability of governments, and in the case of cybercrime, of law enforcement, uh, they can do much, but they cannot do everything. And and this is a place that the private sector, the global businesses uh, that are actually running cyber infrastructure and developing security efforts, that they have so much that they can contribute. And and what we've learned in the last two years running the, the Forum Partnership Against Cybercrime Initiative is that there is also very high motivation 
So security companies like Fortinet and Checkpoint and Palo Alto and many others, uh, platform providers like Microsoft, Google, the internet providers, financial um, uh, companies, so big banks like Bank of America and City, they all have a very different uh, perception and, and uh, visibility on, on the cybercrime ecosystem. So the idea here is not just to bring the governments to work together, but also to bring, bring the private sector um, to contribute and even to lead big parts of, of this effort. Yeah, and I think definitely we, the involvement from uh, public and private sector and maybe even uh, research and academia, uh, certainly those those coming together to, to paint this picture. And I and that's what I keep visualizing is a picture, some, some mapping. Um, we're not trying to create art here though, right? We're, we're, we're hoping, we're hoping to, to instill action or some response that uh, either combats and takes away the, the threat or, or prepares us better for, for the threat if, if it continues. So Michael, I'm wondering how, how are, I guess maybe to both of you, and there's maybe two parts to the question here. I'm just wondering what's our picture look like? From the defense perspective, are we as organized and orchestrated as the the cyber criminals? And I'm wondering, does that? I don't know what. what how how are we in, in enabling some some protection? Or I'm thinking also ecosystem and, and supply chain. Are we trying to take out the whole supply chain for cyber criminals? Or are there weak points like they like they use against us in, in the uh, defender world that we can poke against and, and break their supply chain like they do ours? So two two questions there. I don't know who wants to yeah. take it first, Michael. So, I mean, I think Sean, the the you know the short answer is that we're not as organized as we should be on the defensive side. I mean, that's one of the reasons that the Cyber Threat Alliance CTA exists is. You know, we want to enable the defenders, particularly those that are providing cybersecurity services to others, to be able to share that kind of information and share it much more rapidly um, and to move it around um, in a way that will enable the defenders to do a better job. But you're absolutely right. I mean, part of my vision for this Atlas project is that it will, it will provide insight into where are the choke points? Where are, is the supply chain for the bad guys? Where is that? Where, where do they have weak points? Um, is it that they are all using, or that you know, eighty percent of the groups are all using the same, you know, couple of uh, infrastructure providers to get server space? Um, are they using the same set of money mules to? Um, move the cryptocurrency around? Are they using the same places to get their source code? Um, that will enable us to do much better targeting. Or, and when I say us, I mean governments to do much better targeting on and disruption of those. And for other defenders, are there specific things that would have you know greatest return on investment on the defense side? In other words, that we can see the types of vulnerabilities that the um, adversaries are exploiting um, so that you prioritize fixing those and really emphasize fixing those first um, that make, you know, the ransomware, for example, um, effective. 
So there are multiple ways to, to think about this, but it's all about actually starting to derive that actionable insight from the actually, frankly, vast mountains of data that are out there. And, and if I may add one more element to that and completely go with everything Michael uh, shared, another challenge that we've discussed in the past is, is the need to build trust. So it's, it's about creating those insights, but also creating groups that will have sufficient trust in order to share more sensitive information and, and even working together. And, and for that, what, what we need, the, the mapping is also serving to, to be able to identify mutual interests and motivation uh, and capabilities to, to get deeper in the investigation and, and identifying disruption opportunity by different stakeholders. So in order to put around the table a small group of, of trusted partners that could be from private sector and public sector, there is, is a need for a process that will take place before that to, to be able to identify which stakeholder will be relevant and, and be, be able to contribute uh, when it comes to working on, on investigation on specific uh, criminal actor. And, and one of the reasons that we need to do this mapping is to help the stakeholders understand also their, their interest and motivation when they come to this effort and build trust and, and action eventually of action-oriented um, groups that can work together. Yeah, that sounds like a, a good plan, uh, working there at a global level. So, um, Michael, you, you're actually going to be the moderator of this panel, that is the session that you're going to have at RSA Conference 2022. It's an important RSA conference uh, <laughs> because it's finally the comeback after the pandemic, so I know a lot of people are going to be there. How would you like to tease a little bit about what people can expect from this conversation that you're going to have there? Of course, don't don't tell us everything, but <laughs> you know our job is going to be to tell everybody to come and, and pack that room. Well, I, what you can look forward to is some of the discussion that you've heard on this podcast will, will also, you know, highlight in those discussions, you know, why we're doing this, but also what we want to talk about is some of the concrete examples that um, we have already obtained. Um, we started a pilot version of this atlas last year um, to, to do basically a proof of concept, to prove to ourselves uh, that it would actually work, that it would generate useful insights. Um, and so we'll talk about what some of those insights are. Um, and we'll talk about where we're going. Um, and of course, we'll also talk about how you can get involved with this work if you would like to uh, contribute. And maybe, maybe Tom, I'm going to put this question to you because uh, you're joined on the panel by Amy Hogan Bernie from Microsoft uh, Digital Crimes Unit and Derek Mankey, uh, Chief of Security uh, Global Threat Alliances at Fortinet. So uh, I'm wondering. Is there anything you're hoping to, obviously you have some insight here, <laughs> what they're probably going to bring to the table, but is there something you, you hope to hear from them that folks will go, wow, I had no idea that that's the, that's the case? So it, it's a bit hard to imagine because we've been um, working so closely in the past two years. Um, I, I can share with you, we've, we started this um, initiative just the early days of, of COVID. So we actually, with no opportunity to meet in person, which is 
um, if I can share the, the one thing I'm really looking forward to meet all of those people uh, in person finally. But we have been working very closely, um, trying to understand specifically the role of the private sector and how companies like Microsoft and Fortinet uh, can play a role uh, in, in this fight against cybercrime. So what I really look um, in this discussion is, is understanding what would it, would it take to get more companies uh, involved, taking responsibility, um, you know, putting resources to work together on an effort that no company can achieve by itself. It's not something that Microsoft Fortinet, or any other of the big companies involved can achieve by themselves. So what would it take to bring them all together uh, into this collaborative effort? Is for me what I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward for, to our discussion before and during the session. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I like how you put that better than uh, the way I asked the question. Because I think you mentioned it earlier, Tal. I think it, it comes back to bringing enough people to the table with the level of trust that that everybody can engage with each other, knowing that they're all working toward uh, a common a common good. And you also mentioned the, the future. Um, let's let's talk about that uh, as we wrap here. What do what do we see? Do we do we see a point where we actually can get ahead of the curve? I, I think Michael was you, or I can't remember who said cat and mouse, but I don't know that that seems like a like a bad way to to, to tackle this a cat and mouse game. Um, I think a little more strategy perhaps is needed. So, how, what's the future like, and and maybe what how do we end up achieving that future that we want, perhaps? They, I, I think in my view, you know, it's important to realize that we are not going to solve the cybersecurity problem, whether you're talking about threats from cybercrime to uh, or espionage or the threat of disruption from nation state actors during conflict, right? The, any more than we have solved those problems in the physical world. So the, but what we can do is we can make our ecosystem more resilient to disruption. We can make it safer. Um, we can make it so that cybercrime is not the kind of problem that it does that it does not pose, you know, the level of economic or safety or uh, national security threat that it does now. And so basically, what we're really talking about is can we drive these threats down to a manageable level that we can sustain over the long term? And I think that we actually can. Um, that um, we can build the, the infrastructure and the cooperation to do that. It's just, it's going to take a while and it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yes, I, I would just say that it's really about, Michael said, resilience. It's about how are we reacting uh, to the threat, uh, but it's a community resilience. Is how are we doing that as a community? And that's the only way that we'll be able to significantly improve uh, the situation and the balance between you know, cyber criminals and, and, and defenders is by working together as a community and, and being much better in reality, the way that we are reacting to cybercrime. I'm just wondering, uh, I know I have the, always have the one more question that Marco says, stop. Uh, I'm just wondering, do we, do we have anything from our history that says we can pull this off? I'm just thinking the, the war on drugs. Is there something from that that we can pull from? Or is there another another scenario that says 
if we can just follow what we've done in the past, we'll, we'll be better off than we are now. You know, there's actually an interesting historical parallel to international high seas piracy from the 16th and 17th centuries, which actually began to pose a significant threat to overall European commerce. Um, and the European nations actually banded together in a way to figure out how to reduce piracy to um, a much, much reduced level. Um, and so by the time the 19th century rolls around, um, you know, piracy on the high seas was not nearly the uh, problem that it had been previously. And I think that there you have those kinds of examples. Another example I would give is, um, you know, the threat of bank robberies here in the United States. Um, that at the beginning of the 20th century, it was it had become quite the plague across a lot of the financial system. And eventually, the United States figured out ways to um, to reduce that threat. And if you look at it, it wasn't just a technological, uh, there were technological pieces to it, right? We started inventing things like time lock safes um, and alarm systems. And, but the other piece was organizational. We created a new law enforcement agency that could work across jurisdictional boundaries. Um, we uh, created information sharing processes to share information about crime. So, and we passed laws and changed policies. So, you know, there are examples that we have where we have tackled these kinds of problems. But you'll notice, of course, that it's not that piracy doesn't exist anywhere. Um, it still exists. It's not that bank robberies still don't happen. It's that they don't pose an existential threat to the systems um, and that they are held at levels that are manageable um, and that there are efforts underway to, to reduce their impact um, and nations react if there is an upsurge in them. Uh, and law enforcement reacts if there's an upsurge in those activities. And so that's really what we're talking about doing for cybercrime um, as well. Well, first of all, thank you for bringing the pirates because I'm really excited yes. about that all the time. You got Sean Marco, knows Marco that. excited, yeah. <laughs> I, you, you got my attention again. No, seriously, it sounds to me that both the problem you're bringing in and, and all the conversation you've done, the fact that this is happening on the World Economic Forum, it there is that threat intelligence sharing that many times, Sean, we've been talking more and more. I mean, lately, many of our conversation has been exactly this, how the bad guys share, the bad guys are organized, and, and, the, and the good guys sometimes they just don't want to share. They want to keep the, that for themselves, but there is not any a good for the community when they do that. So I, I feel like that's the, the beyond the info. Changed. Yeah. It's the it's the alliance that uh, yeah. that's important as well. So yeah, nice one. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off, Marco, but I think no, uh, no, I was done. Yeah, I'm thinking I, pirate. Now, so you're, you're off in pirate land. <laughs> um, good pirates, of course. Uh, yeah, have, having uh, having fun on the boat. No, but uh, this is a serious topic. Uh, I suspect that uh, the full panel will be full of stuff to. Uh, to take away now i think we maybe just one one final thought from michael here as we wrap because I'll, I'll i'll be i'll do my part first and to say thing to this um and we'll put loads uh, links in the show notes for uh the, this panel session at rsa conference but michael maybe just a, a final thought from you as we close here for 
the business leaders and security practitioners that will be at the conference, um, what do you want them to take away from this? Because ultimately it's about bringing, bringing it down to the, the strategy and the operations within the organizations. Maybe there are government folks there as well, but what's the final takeaway for folks uh, attending your session? So I think the final takeaway that I would lay out is that it is a difficult challenge, right? But we can actually do something about this problem. Um, we are not helpless in the face of it. And it is going to require some different ways of thinking, some innovation. And that's the Cybercrime Atlas project is a way, is one way um, that we are trying to enable ourselves to tackle this problem more effectively. Um, and that I don't think you have to have a fatalistic attitude uh, about it and that we have to embrace and try these kinds of opportunities. And that's really what people should see the Cybercrime Atlas is it's an opportunity to try something new and to try to make um, a difference. And if we put efforts into it, I really think that it, it will. I love it. And the session is Thursday, June 9th, 2.10 to 3 Pacific. For those that uh, will be on site, it is keynote on that day. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's gonna be a great conversation and I'm thrilled we had this one. Uh, today with you, Michael and Tal. Thanks, thanks so much for uh, giving us your insights and uh, teasing your session a bit. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you. It was great to be here. Marco, are you done with the pirates? Still dreaming that life. <laughs> <laughs> now this is exciting. I'm actually, like I said before, this is going to be a great year to all be back at RSA conference, San Francisco. So. I, I hope to see a lot of familiar faces, even if you know we, we wear probably a mask or be safe, but finally to be there together as a community again, that'd be great. And then at the World Economic Forum. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> all right, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, keep tuned and stay tuned to all of our coverage from RSA Conference this year. Have a good one. AppViewX is trusted by the world's leading global organizations to reduce risk, ensure compliance, and increase visibility through machine identity management and application infrastructure security and orchestration. Learn more at AppViewX.com. Modern application development needs modern application security. With our award-winning application security testing solutions, Checkmarks enables developers to securely accelerate their work. Learn more at checkmarks.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at CrowdSec.net. HITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. 
Learn more at HighTrustAlliance.net. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, share ITSP Magazine with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our columns. Thank you for listening.